Greetings, programs, and welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast, the only weekly podcast where we review two shows a week. We own that format, and nobody else does it. My name is Matthew, and with me, as always, is Simon. Say hello, Simon. Hello, hello friends. Thank you for tuning in to the only podcast where two white straight guys talk about movies or TV shows. You That's don't really ridic- that is ridiculous. Two white bearded straight cisgender dudes. Thank you very much. Well, I feel like we do have the most to say about things, and so um, now you're going to hear us talk about them. That is true. This is nice, um, this is nice actually, because what I love about our podcast is that it is an, a 100% accurate reflection of any time we get together ever, except when we do the podcast, we don't have our respective wives next to us rolling their eyes and trying to talk about literally anything else, but... Uh, whichever movie we're deep diving into or do you remember that one bit from aliens or hey i discovered this 1939 sci-fi it reminds me of this did you know the director and our poor wives are like can we talk about hot sauce yeah but to be to be fair they're they're doing that in spirit so they are actually yeah my, my wife actively organizes things to be out of the house doing when I'm podcasting. I like to think it's so she can stay, keep the house nice and quiet for me. I'm just going to keep living that illusion. Yeah, that's, that's a I'm good, at. that's a good illusion. My wife is watching a movie with headphones on in the other room. <laughs> What's she watching? Uh, she actually, we recently acquired the first season of the Fargo TV series and she's rewatching that. Um, because it's an excellent series, and if you haven't watched it, you really should. Uh, do you know what? I've never seen Fargo because I do not like the movie. One bit that's a Cohen that I really dislike. It's just not for me. It doesn't work for me at all. I know that's going to ruffle some feathers. But... That's, a, that's a conversation for a different time, Admiral Hot Takes. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, the TV show is is quite good. Um, the first season in particular with Martin Freeman as the protagonist is quite good, uh, mm. with an excellent supporting villain turn from Billy Bob Thornton. I and... think about watching, um, uh, Hugh McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, because I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead in pretty much anything. And I'm very interested to see their dynamic. And I think Hugh McGregor is generally great as well. I would be interested in that. Watch and he plays he plays twins in the third oh, season. Third season? It's the third season, I think, of Fargo uh-huh. where he plays twins. Um right. and he's quite good. He's quite good as both twins. Very interestingly performed and distinct for each of them. Yeah, yeah. He's good. There's too much good TV, is what this boils down to. There's just so much content in the world, and that's why we only talk about two things, because who can live yeah. at that speed? I'm glad, though, because my superpower is beginning a TV show, see, series or something, and thinking, wow, I really, really like this, and then get, trying something else and watching half of that, and then w- moving on to the next thing just to try it, and then watching half of that. So uh, one day I'm going to finish Stranger Things and For All Mankind and all the other things that I like at the moment and just don't have time to watch. Although uh, Lower Decks is working very well. I don't want to give up on Lower Decks. I, I'm really enjoying it this time because it's very, uh, it's very well written. And I really appreciate that and acted. Uh, yeah, and you're only in season one still of that show, I think. I, and there's, there's, I'm, it's, it's good. It is good. It is I'm good stuff. The tail end of season one. There's only been one episode I haven't liked, and all the others have been absolute gold. So, um, 
it's very, very well, good. Well, that's good. It's, uh, you know, as a, as a long-term, lifelong, diehard Star Trek fan, I can tell you that it is among the best of Star Trek. And my wife, who does not like Star Trek at all, um, mm. it is her favorite Star Trek as well. So I think it works that's from nice. both perspectives. I do and get like, the feeling I'm, I'm missing like 90% of the the really deep cuts. Oh, uh, you mean 100, 100% you are. Like if, if when, when I watch this show with my wife, um, what happens is that I laugh for 100% of the show and she laughs every few minutes when there's like a big broad joke that's really mm. well written and executed. But like, mm. like I am constantly laughing at things like in the background or just that are like deep cuts that she wouldn't get like there's an episode in season three where it opens with the lower deckers playing a, a board game a video board game and like that board game it's like a knockoff Ferengi board game produced with like uh, an admiral admiral martok impersonator and it's a very it's a pretty funny gag but it's way funnier when you know that that board game uh existed in real life <laughs> <laughs> and it was like you put a DVD in your TV and it talked to you. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. So you know, I laugh a lot at that show at, at moments where lots of other people probably don't. <laughs> I I love when it's clearly a reference because I'm laughing because I think I know you're laughing and it's like there's one episode where they they don't know it's meant to be a trial except it's a birthday party and, and, and they're listing all the way they're listing all the ways like. Of course it was a trial, and you're acting like this. And then at one point, Boimler lists, just like Deanna Troy, when this happened, and I don't know, when this happened, and this person, and you know that this is like reference, 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 and I didn't get any single one of them, but um, I appreciated them existing. It's just very, very good. I mean, have you gotten to the point where they first visited um, Cetacean Ops yet? <laughs> I have, I, I have not. I've just finished the episode where she. I, is it the one I've just watched where her best friend comes back? Who's a who's a captain, and she pretends uh, yeah. to be rubbish. And, uh, that's a fantastic. Actually, that's before the trial episode. That is a brilliant episode, like standalone episode with the um, the life form that takes over the ship and becomes like that giant jellyfish. I thought it was really clever. But it's just it's so full like of one liners and quips that work in the story. Because usually when I watch something like this, when we watch what we do in the shadows, we usually text each other like funny lines that we like. I've actually stopped doing that with Lodex because it would just happen every two or three minutes because it is brilliantly written. And a lot of the humor is is very quick and very kind of wordy. It's almost British. Like the, it's not like an American comedy, if you like, where they pause for the jokes and they make sure you get it. it it's like rapid fire. It's like the last episode was, and to get to the sick bay, but that's where the sick people go. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. Little things like that. Well, just, I think, I can't remember what episode it is. I think it's in season two. You're going to meet uh, Lieutenants Matt and Kamolu, who are beluga whales who serve on the ship in Cetacean Ops. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, okay. All yeah. right. So, what do we what do we talk about? Anyway, this week? Star Trek on that bombshell. <laughs> let's move on. We have two movies to talk about. We should probably talk about them. Uh, we're talking about two new streaming releases this week, uh, both of which are, as of the time you hear this, will be available to watch on their respective channels. Um, and we're going to start with 
the Roku Channel original release, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. And I'm going to start by saying that I, I sort of, I'm unclear as to whether this is the Roku Channel's first thing, um, but I hope that they at least get more things so that people will eventually see this. Um, and I thought it was pretty fine. That was pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I don't know. How did you feel about it? Just generally speaking. Um, well, you that thing all, where, you, where you look down and look forlorn, and I know you're about to tell me that you didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> I was actually thinking about Roku. I have a Roku TV, and I'm thoroughly impressed with their output. They bought that. Um, what was that short form service like Quibbly or something? Quibby, yeah, Quibby. So they, they bought Quibbly and, and incorporated that, and suddenly had a library of quote unquote Roku originals, and they have been making that some some other bits and bobs, and it's all like interesting and this is a really interesting project as well did i like it it's like when you watch snl and the presenter like turns up in the in the cold open and they they create a bunch of sketches for them and they try and get as many snl people in as possible and they're all trying to not break character and it's kind of ridiculous this is a five minute sketch turned into an hour and 45 minutes and i'm not sure it holds like it would have been fine as a five-minute sketch. Saying that, there is 20 minutes in this movie that takes a hard like left turn <laughs> into, into a different genre that I absolutely loved. Like We'll talk about that in a minute. The rest well, of it, I thought, was a semi-amusing, funny sketch that went on for far too long. Yeah, I'm going to only disagree... In that, I, it definitely it's a funny or die production, and it definitely has that funny or die vibe versus the SNL vibe, which I feel is distinct. I don't. Um, I, I, and, I can't speak to that. And I, I will say that I generally like this. I think it's fine. It was. I laughed a lot, and at the end of the day, that's what they were going for. I think. Daniel Radcliffe is 100% committed, which I appreciate. Uh, I think that Evan Rachel Wood is perfectly cast as, you know, 80s Madonna. And um, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought that it's definitely doesn't... It's not as cohesive as it needs to be. Like, it plays out in a series of vignettes almost with, like, fades to black mm. and fade back in. And a lot of those vignettes don't necessarily fit together very well. And some of the sections are not that funny and some of the some of the jokes don't really land but the ones that land land pretty well and uh i get the feeling this movie would be really good if i smoked weed like yeah. if i smoked a huge bowl of weed and then watched this movie i think i would love it yeah I, and it's, I, it's weird I, for me too because like i get i get the feeling that like they're really going for that same crowd that walk hard went for but Walk hard really works, and this only kind of mostly works. Oh, you're muted. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, the parts of this that really work for me, and it's really more apparent in the first half, are there's plenty of moments where something absurd happens that's played completely straight. And it's never a big showy moment, although there are a few of those that are great too. But it's moments like... You know, young Al Yankovic sitting around the table with his parents and his mother just straight facedly saying like, well, your mother, your father and I have had a long talk and we've just decided it would be best if you just stopped being who you are and gave up everything you loved. And like moments like that always make me laugh when they're played 
perfectly straight by really skilled performers and just I find that stuff really, really funny. And then it will also go into a thing where the dad goes on a rampage and smashes, uh, you know, an accordion. And it's uh, it, parts of it. Parts of it work. Parts of it don't. You know. So that beginning is is funny actually, because I think the beginning and that se- a section towards the end kind of push the envelope on what this is because it feels like there's a lot of moments in this film where it can't decide is it trying to be absolutely out there crazy or is it trying to have some meaningful moments is he actually how much of this is actually autobiographical or is it as it seems towards the end a complete fabrication and i think it should have gone throughout a uh more insane with its choices and not even pretend that any of it is real or accurate because there's a very funny bit at the beginning where he he sneaks out to a party and it's played like uh, rock and roll and drugs and like a late 80s sort of Christian Slater style thing but it turns out it's a polka party (laughs) which was just genuinely funny like the the um, protest music of the time was polka and then the um, he makes his mark by being really good at the accordion yeah, because he's been just, learning, learning in yeah, secret. And yeah, and that's just that's just funny. That that subversion of expectations is funny and stupid. And then I feel like that there's lots of the rest of the movie that didn't go as stupid. Like it didn't go far enough until that section towards the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean that's basically what I'm saying too, right? Like the parts that are just completely absurd but played totally straight are very very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, cause, and I think that's what walk hard. One of the things that walk hard does really, really well is that it's completely, completely absurd, but hits all of the exact notes that every biopic does music biopic does. And then just like takes them to an absurd place and plays it straight. And it's really funny. Mm. And when this movie does that, because those are moments straight out of a different, you know, a music biopic, when this movie does that, it's really funny. And when it goes to like a really weird, occasionally, probably about half the time, it goes to a more like Zucker, Abrams, Zucker place. Like it can't decide if it wants to be absurd, played straight, or just ridiculous. And mm. I, I don't think it finds a balance between those two things. Yeah, no, I agree totally. And I, it's, for me, the stuff that works does outweigh the stuff that doesn't. But at the end of the day, I think this is sort of destined, and maybe by being on the Roku channel as well, I don't really know how many people watch the Roku channel. I don't have that information. Um, but I feel like it's destined to be like a cult hit. You know what I mean? Like the kind of movie that like the people yeah. this is gonna the people this is gonna work for, it is going to one hundred percent work for. Uh, and the people who it doesn't, it doesn't, and then there's gonna be that middle crowd of people like me who are like, I could watch this again or I could watch Walk Hard. It's an interesting point because I don't I don't think you can access the Roku channel outside of Roku technology. I, it's not something you can subscribe to because it's a free channel um, specifically for their tech, either their like HDMI plugin thing or their TVs, which are cheap and good. But it's interesting that's really going to um, <clears throat> it's going to shorten the reach of this, which is a shame because I really like Radcliffe as a performer. Like, I yeah. think he's made some excellent choices and there's 
Uh, I'm going to spoil this slightly, but there is one section of this that goes into basically my favorite genre growing up, which is the, um, com- uh, what was that? Uh, Commando. If you ever seen Commando, oh, yeah. it's basically that genre of movies where a uh, guy goes to, guy goes to nondescript latino jungle and never has to reload and it's obviously a a power fantasy the whole thing is by that point you know is not meant to be real but it goes really 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 hard into that specific power fantasy and it does it brilliantly to the almost like the same level as how well tropic thunder did it like it's uh it's very very well done and the guy who plays, um, oh, what's his name? The the drug lord, Pablo Escobar. Oh, Pablo Escobar, yeah. I called Arturo Castro, who I don't know, just gives the best Pablo Escobar trying to have a birthday party is like something you didn't realize that you really needed in your life. I really enjoyed his performance. And um, <clears throat> it's almost kind of like, um, uh, what's that thing? Uh, MacGruber. Like that, that MacGruber style of uh, 80s, 90s action movie emulation. And it does it brilliantly. So when it went back into being the accordion, like the, the music biopic after that 20 minutes, I was kind of disappointed because I, I really enjoyed that kind of crazy jaunt. And um, it really cemented what I've been saying for a while, which is put Radcliffe in a like Netflix stunt movie, like put him in an action movie. <laughs> I don't know what he's been doing, but he's been lifting. He spends a large portion of this movie with his top off and he is ripped to shit now. And um, it really made me want to rewatch Guns Akimbo because if you're ever unsure about Radcliffe's action credentials, go and watch Guns Akimbo because he can do that balance between action and peril and confusion and comedy he's a really talented performer and i would love to see him get more into that genre but uh, but he's great throughout i think i was really impressed with his performance at least yeah i mean i think part of the charm of this is how committed radcliffe is to the bit uh i mean my only complaint about his performance is the part of his performance he didn't perform. I, I would have loved if he had done his own singing, and it's pretty clear to me that he did not. Yeah, the lip syncing's not good, and the audio mix is not good when it's meant to be him singing. It's yeah. uh, it's really clearly like ADR over the top, and it's it's not mixed very well, which is a shame. Yeah, and I feel like that maybe you could probably explain that away by being like, it is pretty fitting that a movie about Weird Al's life would be a parody of a biopic. And a lot of biopics do lip sync singing not that well. So like Mm -hmm. I can sort of, as like a meta joke, sure. But I still wish that he had done his own singing. Because we know he can sing. We know he can rap. We know he can do all those things. (laughs) Yes, he can rap. That's true. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think this movie's pretty fine. I think it's totally fine. And I think there's enough laughs to for me to say, yeah, I think you should probably watch it one time. And if you forget about it after that, I wouldn't be surprised. And if it becomes a cult thing that you want to watch over and over again, also great for you. Um, I think if I, I find this kind of, I find this kind of movie hard to talk about because I just didn't have a strong reaction to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's hard to be like effusive or to like rip it to pieces because I just don't. It just did not get that kind of reaction out of me it's just fine it's totally fine 
I think marijuana might be the missing element here because I we both have some mutual friends who watched this high and absolutely loved it. And I think all the things that's missing for me, the craziness and the the lunacy, uh, if you're high, that you kind of add that yourself, right? So um, maybe, but I don't know. It didn't quite work for me. My favorite part of the movie, uh, my favorite part of any movie that has David Dustmalchian in it is when David Dustmalchian does anything. And he, um, he delivers probably my favorite joke and it's a quiet moment and his delivery of that quiet moment is like stand out <laughs> but i'm not it's, gonna tell you who what when but it's very funny it's actually pretty funny because one oh. of my favorite moments in the whole movie that that moment is from i think one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie and one of my mm -hmm. other favorite things to happen in the movie is uh jack black shows up as a certain like 70s 80s stalwart weird character and he's so perfectly over the top yeah, uh, yeah performing it um and then yeah i mean that whole scene where he like comes up with a parody song on the spot is is pretty wonderful um and i just i like the way that it plays with that as well there's a whole uh plot in the middle where he uh, weird al becomes obsessed with becoming an original artist and he writes like a masterpiece pop song called eat it that michael jackson then parodies and I just think that's really funny. I think it's a really funny way to play. If yeah. I think it would have been amazing if they'd played the whole movie that way, actually. Yes, Imagine yeah, if every yeah. time he wrote a song, some pop star just changed the words to be more conventional and he was relegated to the sidelines. Yeah. That would be a funny movie. Yes. Uh, or, or a psychopathic one. I'm not really sure which. <laughs> um, true story. I thought they were intentionally mispronouncing his last name when he started getting famous. And he, he goes for a meeting with... Will Forte and Al Yankovic playing uh, the, the actual Al Yankovic playing um, record producers, and they pronounce his name as Yankovic, and I'm like, oh, it's funny they're mispronouncing his name because they're these asshole movie producers. Anyway, by the end of this movie, I've realised I've spent 45 years of my life saying Yankovic. <laughs> I, th I, I think in England because he's not that famous. He's not as famous in England as he is here. I think we say Yankovic. Oh. Because that that V I C sound in Europe is also, is always that C H sound. So uh, I got his name. I've been getting his name wrong forever, but now I'm I... pretty sure that depends on what part of Europe you're from. Uh, true, but uh, we're from England, which is the part of Europe, so we say Yankovic. Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, geographically, anyway, not not economically, but geographically. I mean, yeah, it's debatable. But anyway. Uh... <laughs> well, that, that, that part isn't debatable. But trust me, if England found a way to not physically be part of the continent of Europe, they would take it. Assholes. I'm, I'm assuming they're installing like big propellers on one side of the island <laughs> as we speak. Oh, I'm sure that's where all the money's going, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, but um, uh, uh, how many stars are you giving Weird, the Al Yankovic story? That's three. It's totally adequate three. Totally fine. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. The part I can say, I feel like you should, if, dear listener, definitely check this movie out because it's either going to work for you really, really well uh, or maybe not. But because, again, I laughed a lot during this movie. Um, it just isn't as cohesive uh, as yeah. maybe it should be. Absolutely. You could do a lot worse than watching this. It's quite a fun Friday night kind of movie. It's two stars from me, but I still would 
say watch it. Radcliffe's very watchable, and there's um, a great twenty minutes in there towards the end as well. So, and, and we, it's fun. I, I would actually say that the whole the the whole section in which Evan Rachel Wood is present as Madonna oh, is very oh funny. Oh my god! So I had no feelings about Evan Rachel Wood before this movie, and uh, <laughs> she's she's fantastic in this. Yeah, and she's just this. Like manipulative gum chewing uh, Madonna, yeah. Like in quotes, character, and she's wonderful. So yeah, yeah. The part of the film that Simon keeps talking about is the tail end of like her arc in the movie, but her <laughs> whole her whole presence in the movie is gold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she is she's very good in it. And there's a lot of like there are a lot of the kind of jokes that I love, which are like the sort of like one line throwaway jokes, like. Uh, the movie is definitely paced at one point to imply that they've been having like a long and torrid affair. And then Al says, this has been the best six hours of my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, there are a lot of like really well delivered jokes in that vein as well. So there's definitely, there's definitely something here. It's just not as uh, here as I would like it to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like a weird Al album. Some of them are great. Some of them are a bit tryhard, and some of them just aren't that good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good way to. That's a. That's yeah. My analogy of, of this movie is <laughs> the track listing of a Weird Al album. I think is apt, and I'm going to stick with it. But still, three stars. Okay. Totally fine. That's fair. Totally fine. Good. Good. Awesome. Good. All right. Uh, well, on? we should. Weird Al is on the Roku channel, so I guess go buy a Roku if you want to watch it. I'm really not clear on how we're going to get to watch this again. No, I own two Roku TVs, and they are cheap and fantastic TVs, so highly recommend it, especially if you can find the OLED one, which I have down here. It's really, really good. Yeah, or you could just but buy a Roku stick for your TV that you already own. You can. So. You can do that, too. If you really, really want to watch this movie, you can buy a $40 stick. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Good. Awesome. Well, let's move on uh, to our other big streaming release of the week, uh, which, again, is already out on its respective service, which is Netflix. We're talking about the Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill starring Enola Holmes 2, sequel to a film that I really liked and you thought was fine. And uh, this one I really liked and I think you might have loved. So that's an interesting change. Um (laughs) Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Enola Holmes is a character from, I believe, a set of young adult novels or stories uh, about Sherlock Holmes' younger sister. Uh, the film is produced by the people who made um, that British show, the name of which has left my mind, Fleabag. Uh, so there's lots of fourth wall breaking. Oh, and I didn't know that. Uh, well, the first one was anyway. I think that's where they got the fourth wall breaking thing uh, from. Because what's Which her my, name? You know, my, it's... my son calls that technique she hulking. Yeah, that I makes sense. Because she hulk <laughs> uh, did it very well as well. Yeah. Um, this one sends Enola on her first case as a proper detective, uh, looking for a missing girl. Uh, Henry Cavill is back as Sherlock, and they have two separate cases and will they be connected at the end there's only one way for you to find out dear no. watcher because this is a mystery story so of course they fucking are that's just how this works <laughs> it really is 
Um, I I really like this movie. I liked it about the same as I liked the first one. I think these movies are very fun, very sweet, very charming. Uh, I think that Henry Cavill is great as Sherlock. I think that Millie Bobby Brown is... I think she's better as Enola than she is as Eleven, to be perfectly honest. I like, I like how much fun she's clearly having making them. I think the rest of the cast is aces, including but not limited to uh, Helena Bonham Carter and David Thewlis basically perfectly cast as this, the slimiest version of David Thewlis. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's a fun romp through, you know, Victorian London, or is it? Yeah, it's Victorian. Anyway. Um, yeah. How did you feel about it? Uh, Captain Hot Takes? Well, first of all, <laughs> Admiral, Admiral sorry, Admiral. This is not a hot take at all. It, well, apart from the fact that it is much, much better than the first one. That the the first one had massive potential that was not realized. I thought uh, it it had some absolutely terrible pacing issues, and it didn't do enough with Henry Cavill, and didn't have nearly enough Millie Bobby Brown talking to camera. And the the central mystery wasn't that interesting, and the end was kind of slap, uh, was kind of sloppy. And this one for me fixes all of those. Like I I really really enjoyed this movie, and and it was nice to watch with my whole family as well. And they uh, they agreed with my slightly tepid take that it is it the whole thing just as a cohesive whole just worked much much better. The central uh, set of riddles were far more interesting and far more clever than the first one and the kind of mystery the unraveling mystery was interesting too uh millie bobby brown has tons of more fourth wall breaking and and you're right she's having a great time in here and uh, now you think home you you mentioned that you think holmes almost overshadowed her i'm i i wouldn't go that far he definitely is given way more to do but this is her show and she, uh, the spotlight's way more on her this time. And <clears throat> the um, the pacing issues are still there, especially like the, the end is just, it builds to this crescendo and then it's like letting air out of a balloon. They really needed another another pass at the last sort of 10 minutes. But the and it's more of a five-act than a three-act story in that it almost felt like five episodes of a TV show because there's a couple of drops in the middle too. But as a whole, it's so much fun and it's so much better as a whole movie that I was really, really impressed. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I sort of disagree. Because, I mean, this film has the same pacing issues that just in the third act instead of the second. Um, I don't specifically recall that there being that much less fourth wall breaking in the first one, but it's regardless, I think it's fun when it happens in both movies. I would, I would agree that the central mystery of this one is more interesting, but also that I worked it out far faster. <laughs> and I know that I have a problem in that, like my kids went to out too. Like I, like there's a moment where like a certain person, they're looking for a certain person <laughs> and I'm just like, she's right there. She's right there. Oh, yeah. Right. And there's another thing, another person where it's like, who could the bad guy possibly be? And I'm like, it's obviously this person. Like it's, have you never watched a movie before or read a book? <laughs> but it's like, I, I mean, sure. It, it's still enjoyable when it's revealed, 
yeah. uh, who who that person is. I don't I don't think it ruins. It, I mean, it, it, it doesn't at all. I'm still going to give this movie like a high rating. I'm just, for me, I'm saying, I don't think it was, I don't think it was better than the first one. I think it was pretty equal to the first one. So I know that makes it sound (laughs) like I'm dragging it down, but I give the first one four stars. So, you know, uh, do with that information. We will. I think that it's super fun. Uh, I think that interestingly, I do think there was almost too much Sherlock in an Enola Holmes story. I thought that the balance was actually better in the first one, um, although they were clearly going to be using... You don't cast Henry Cavill to not have him in your movie series, right? Uh, although apparently you do do that with Sam Claflin, who played Mycroft in the first one, so uh, that's interesting. Um, so, I, I mean, I get what they did. I get what they were doing, but um, I, I kind of, in some ways, preferred the first one because it was more... There was The whole movie was spent with Enola, Whereas this one definitely takes some detours to follow Sherlock around. And I don't oh, think that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, structurally, I think it's better. But, I mean, at the end of the day, again, I this movie also drops right at the end. It, like, drops in a new character who I'm like, well, now I want to watch that movie. <laughs> and so, you, you know, do with that information. I mean, like, that's, the ne- that's the next movie, isn't it? That's the sequel. I mean, I feel like this movie... I guess my... I think this movie might need two sequels, one for Enola and one for Sherlock, because it leaves them both in interesting places, but places that are not necessarily, I was about to say compatible, they're definitely compatible, but like, they definitely have their own story, they could, they definitely have their own stories moving forward, right? Like, it almost needs two sequels. Yeah, so the, the... Uh, all the different things, of course, the the things that Sherlock is investigating, the thing that Enola is investigating, turn out to be the same thing. But at the end of this movie, it unravels enough where you could have a follow up with just Sherlock and insert new character here, and you wouldn't it wouldn't seem out of place to not have Enola because it's a very distinct path, and she has her own path as well. Now, of course, they won't do that, but I. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one. It feels like they, they really uh, fix so much of what I didn't like about the first one. So I, I think this one is one star better than the last one. Just Ooh. felt so much better as a cohesive whole. However, I will say that the last one was totally fine for my eight-year-old daughter, and this one absolutely was not fine for my eight-year-old daughter, in that it is significantly more graphic with uh, the blood it shows, with the death it shows, with the knife work that it shows um in the first one it, it was just um some fancy combat but there's some there are some very dead people in this movie that fit the tone of what they're doing the tone is definitely more grown up mm-hmm. uh, because she's she's more grown up and it was fine for my son my daughter had to peace out and went to bed sobbing because of some very very graphic depictions of death Interesting. So just, just watch out for that if you have like my my daughter was fine with the last one and could and and didn't make the end of this one. Interesting. I can sort of see that there is there is at least one like you know person dying in plain view slowly, and it's a, it's a major plot point. I don't see how they could possibly work around it, but I mm-hmm. sort of get I sort of get that. Yeah, I don't think they need to. I, it worked with the tone of what they were doing, and any like my son's eleven and his age is he he's fine anyway. 
he doesn't feel anything anyway. So um, <laughs> that's that's not, no, that's not true. But um, he's he's fine. She's not. Um, but I mean, I mean one, that's a minor, minor quibble. It's interesting too because my my minor quibble quibble would actually be like in terms of that kind of thing would it be, and I mean, get your broken record player ready because here it comes. Uh, the fight cinematography. Uh, is awful. <laughs> it's just awful. And especially, <laughs> there's a whole scene, and the whole thing is that Enola knows jujitsu and Sherlock is a competent fighter. And there's a scene toward the end where uh, Enola's fighting one person and Sherlock is fighting two people, and another fight's happening and it's cutting back and forth between the three of them, and you can't see any of them. Like any of them. Yeah, it's it's uh, lots, of, lots of fast cutting. And like Henry Cavill is a, a gifted physical performer and he can do fight choreography. We've seen him do it before and I would have loved to have seen him do it again, but <laughs> it just cuts too fast. Even when it's sticking with one of them for a few moments, like it yeah. cuts, it cuts too close and too fast to really get an idea of what's going on. And I'm, I'm so, I mean, if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know that I'm so yeah, over that. I'm so over yeah. it. And it just it just disappoints me every time I see that kind of thing. Yeah, because we know they can do it better. We know we know they can. We've seen it. Yeah, we've seen it. The um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh my god, I agree. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's my. Why? What was I going to say about the fight choreography? I had some good point there. I can't remember. I got distracted. Oh. Do you know why I got distracted? When you said Cavill's done uh, excellent fight choreography, so I thought about of him him reloading his biceps in Mission Impossible, and then I realized um, I just watched an episode of Lower Decks where the um, the number one the the Riker uh, gets into Ransom. a fight with an alien. Ransom reloads his biceps like Cavill style, and I started giggling to myself, and I'm completely forgotten what I was about to say. But um, you're right. You're right. There, there's nothing stand out about the fighting. And uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. So there's one one moment where um, her boyfriend, Alona's boyfriend, Tewksbury, teaches her how to dance. And then later on, they're about to get into a fight. And he's like, well, teach me how to fight. So she teaches him how to fight. And she keeps getting her punches through. And she's like, no, wait for the punch block and avoid or something and she says it three or four times and you're like ah oh, this is gonna be plot significant this mm-hmm. is like uh, Pav- pavlov's fight choreography and then um he gets to the fight with this big guy who's clearly bigger than him and punching him and i'm like okay he's gonna win this fight by right at the end he's instead of trying to fight back he's gonna wait he's gonna avoid the punch and fight back just like was and no he just punches him he just punches him in the face and wins i'm like oh it's a missed opportunity. That's weird. Yeah. So that, that was a bit weird. But yeah, I don't think the fight choreography was was really their uh, priority here, and it shows. But I, really I mean, it's not, it. it's, it's, not, it's not, I guess it's not a priority, but if you're going to make a big action set piece where there's three fights happening yeah. at the same time, then maybe it should, should be at least a little bit. I don't know. Or like, it's entirely possible as with other movies I'm not going to bring up here, but it's it's entirely possible that they did a lot of really excellent fight choreography and then the cinematography ruined it. Because that is yeah. a thing that happens all the time. It, I, I think that's probably more accurate, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, how many how many stars would you like to give Enola Holmes uh, de? Well, um, Enola Holmes, uh, I gave 
Twa stars. So this will be a four star movie for me. I really, really liked it a lot. Yeah, it's four for me as well. Uh, oh, which because I thought it was fun. I think it's a winning, a winning formula, and I hope they keep making them. Yeah, because um, they're fun. Too. They're nothing but fun, and they're really they're generally I think they're really well produced, and everyone's having a great time making them, and mm-hmm. they're fun for the whole family unless you're eight. Uh, so I hope they make more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not for an eight-year-old, but it's it is really really fun. It's lovely. Yeah, good. Good. Awesome. So, what what's coming up for you in the next week? Then, what are you watching? Uh, honestly, I have no idea, but I do know that you are participating at the Vancouver Asian Film Festival, which just kicked I off. I am. So... It's just began this week, and the it's got some really interesting things on the lineup. I need to. Uh, go so they're having a hybrid festival, and I think the the virtual side starts a little bit later than the screenings, mm-hmm. as seems to be the uh, common setup these days with a lot of the festivals. So I don't think the virtual side is actually ready yet. But um, the, the when I covered VIF, um, God, two three when did I two years ago? I didn't cover last year, so the year before. Mm-hmm. There's a movie I watched a Taiwanese a Thai movie rather. Um, called where we belong and i literally have thought about this movie pretty every week since i've seen it and so uh, i love asian asian filmmaking and i'm really looking forward to um something like that or uh that what or what was that name of that movie with the recursive loop in it that we watched quite recently oh beyond the infinite two minutes yeah yeah Yeah, something like that there's lots of really interesting things in there i know there's one movie we've talked about um off air that we're going to try and that you've seen and uh, i have a screener for that's part of the festival so maybe we'll cover that as well we'll see yeah i think there's one like i say i'm not technically uh participating at VAF, but i do there's a film that played a canadian uh asian uh a a Canadian film that's playing at that festival that played at VIF that I have also seen that I think we will probably cover on our next podcast alongside something else. Um, but uh, who knows? Uh, there's lots of stuff out there. So, <laughs> there is. And okay. it seems like a lot of the big stuff uh, is not coming to anywhere where we can see it early. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. That's so. Great. Uh, we will, it is my sincere hope that we will be, get to see Black Panther and Banshees of Inishirin and a few other and the whale before the end of the year, but I have no idea when that's going to happen exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but hopefully we'll see more interesting stuff. So there it is. Hopefully there's no more next Netflix made movies with no screener links, only in person things to watch a Netflix movie. But let's not get me started on that ridiculousness. Yeah, well, it's not that's actually not a new thing, but anyway. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna call it there before we alienate any of our friends in the studios. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to watch Enola Holmes or Weird, they are available on Netflix and the Roku channel, respectively. Um, thank you so much to both of those groups for supplying us with copies so we could talk about them. Uh, if you have liked what you have heard, Dear listeners, you can support us by hitting that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform or giving us a five-star review. Those are uh, help uh, immeasurably. Uh, or we do have a Patreon and a Kofi, and you can find those 
in the show notes if you'd like to support us more directly or just share uh share us on your socials um uh you can find us on the socials uh me on twitter for as long as that lasts at matthew af and us on twitter as long as it lasts at awesome friday ca uh simon i think you're basically off twitter at this i point. don't know what's going on i'm trying like, i, I uh, don't know what's going on with twitter at the moment but yeah sure you can find me on there somewhere yeah uh, at temporary pen um and hopefully um the person in charge doesn't implode it completely but anyway yeah right yeah uh-huh. Um, (laughs) we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish peoples Uh, thank you so much for listening and joining us on this awesome Friday thanks bye